Welcome to Timely Wisdom with Drs. Alice Bradford, Sarita Wright, Brenda Wallace, Carolyn Carlisle, and I am Venice D. Burns. You can watch us live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube. Today, our guest is Bishop Perletta J. Vaughn. Holy Spirit is my brand. This was recorded on November the 4th, 2020. Y'all have already done all the pleasantries. I'm here to introduce our special guest today. Our special guest is none other than Bishop Carletta J. Vaughn. She is a trailblazer and forerunner among women in ministry for for the last, what, 46 years? From answering the call of God in 1974 to her elevation as bishop on November 5th, 1995. Did you hear the did you hear the year? 95. <laughs> yes, in West African country of Nigeria. God has used her, used her life and ministry to impact the body of Christ and serve a death blow to the kingdom of darkness. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bishop Vaughn is the senior pastor of the Holy Ghost Cathedral Church and apostle of Ghost Tellet Evangelistic Ministry worldwide. Over the years, she has poured herself into the lives of congregations and constitutions are constituent, constituents by the uncompromised power of preaching and teaching of the word of God. From my experience, teaching the Holy Spirit. Teaching yes. Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Mm. She is well educated. She is a mother. She is loving. And when I tell you this woman of God is ready to share, I don't want to talk anymore. I'm introducing all of you to Bishop Carletta J. Vaughn. Hello, hello, hello. Amen. Amen. How you doing? Oh my God, I am so excited. <laughs> I'm we are too. <laughs> so excited to be with this amazing group of women of God and to see uh, my colleagues and friends uh, in the uh, opening segment, Dr. Uh, Gina Stewart and um, Oh, who else did I see? Dr. Fry uh, uh, and uh, I saw Atlanta. I saw all, all my girls. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just so excited to uh, to be among uh, the living, the breathing, and the preaching. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You have, and you check in with us. We know that you're from um, Detroit, but most people don't know you're from Detroit. And, and we're blue. We went blue. <laughs> <laughs> Michigan went blue, baby. <laughs> um, one, um, Detroit and I go way back. I um, lived in Detroit for a while. But here, here's the thing. Every morning, at Monday through Friday, you have this this um, Facebook Live um, show that call, it's called Pentecost in a Pandemic. And we work, wake up early every morning to hear what the Lord is saying through you. And you're talking about Holy Spirit. Can you exactly tell us what Pentecost in a pandemic is? 
So let me give a little bit of a background, if that's yeah. okay. Um, yeah. 1974, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go into a little bit of detail as we go on in terms of what that means mm -hmm. and what that experience theologically lines up in terms of scripture. Uh, but it was a life-changing event for me. I was uh, I gave my life to Christ as a young girl. I was 11 years old. And so I, I grew up in a Christian home, very uh, loving parents and not dysfunctional and, you know, and not abusive. I, I happened to be one of the, the ones that had a wonderful mom and dad, and I'm the firstborn of six. So I, um, I have wonderful memories of my childhood. And Christ was always the center of our home. Uh, the Bible was always on the uh, coffee table and we had um, family prayer and family Bible study. And, and so I grew up in the Baptist church, I'm Baptist born, Baptist bred. They say, I'll be a Baptist when I'm dead. <laughs> so, BTU, Baptist training union, uh, Calvary missionary, Baptist district, uh, Wolverine State National Baptist Convention USA Incorporated. I'm Baptist. Yes. And um, so as I grew up, uh, I began to hear the Lord speak to me very early in my life. I would say about three years old, God started visiting me. And by four years old, my mom had a beauty shop in her home. I preached my first sermon in the beauty shop. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! So in the front of her shop on Saturday, she ran a daycare so all the girls and the boys of the clients could learn their ABCs and their numbers. And this particular Saturday, I um, had a piano. My mom had bought me an upright piano. Mom and dad had bought me a piano and I could play a little bit by ear. And I turned the piano bench around and started talking <laughs> to my audience <laughs> to the hymn book and started preaching. And um, that was my first sermon at four. So wow. I was very clear that um, at an early age, I had a relationship with God. Hmm. Jesus was introduced to me um, in a revival, a fall revival. And I was on the mourner's bench. If y'all baptized, come on now. You got yeah, to yes, come on. Yes. To the age of accountability, Jesus. you had to sit on the mourner's bench, and the mothers of the church would mm -hmm. sit with you and pray you through. Mm -hmm. And that Friday night, uh, the preacher looked at me. I was the last one left, and he said, "Would there be one?" And I was the only one left. <laughs> <laughs> And he preached a fool on a mule in the middle of the road. I never will forget. Oh, mm. He talked about the conversion of Saul. And he said, will there be one that wants to be saved? And my mother, who was behind me with the other mothers of the church, leaned forward and said, you do. And in that moment, Jesus came into my heart. Mm. And I walked up to the altar and gave my name to the secretary and my hand to the preacher. Mm. to the Lord. So I was 11, got baptized and fully, fully understood that I had been converted, that I understood that. But then I began um, to read and to hear about Holy Spirit. And at on Sunday nights, my dad would listen to Catherine Kuhlman. Oh, oh. Mm. I would sit there as a little girl and 
he would say, are you scared? I said, no, sir. I remember this so clearly. Oh, and Oral Roberts, Oral Roberts. And I became, my ears opened to the vocabulary of Holy Spirit. Because that's all Catherine Kuhlman talked about was Holy Spirit. And so I began to ask questions. Who is the Holy Spirit? I met God at four. I met Jesus at 11. But who is Holy Spirit? And nobody can answer my questions. And so in my Sunday school class, I got in trouble because I kept asking, who is the Holy Spirit? And uh, I almost got kicked out. And I, I asked my pastor, who is the Holy Spirit? And he said, well, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And, and so from about 13 years old, I started wanting to know who is Holy Spirit. And in the Baptist church, in our tradition, he wasn't ignored, but he was never exalted to the same degree as Jesus Christ. So every message was about Jesus, the cross, the tomb, and early one Sunday. I'd never heard of Pentecost. I'd never heard of the upper room that occurred 50 days later. And so I was, I was just on a search. So uh, as a musician, a young musician and director of a choir, my pastor formed a community choir with a lady in my church called Detroit Youth Choral Ensemble. I was the musician and director. We started going around to different churches. And so when I got into this church of God in Christ, holiness churches, they were talking about Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I went on one day and asked my daddy. I said, Daddy, I said, I want to change churches because I want to learn about Holy Spirit. And he said, no, you're not old enough yet. Wait till you get 16 and you drive (laughs) and you can go. So from the age of about 13 and a half until that Tuesday night when I received the baptism with the Holy Spirit, Mm. I was on a search. I read everything. I listened to everything. I read the Bible. I I researched them from Genesis to Revelations, and I just wanted to know. I understand Father. I understand Son. But who is this Holy Spirit? And so that sets, I want to set that up in terms of why Pentecost is so important to me. And what happened to me, September of 1974, changed my life. And I believe that from that baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues experience, where I spoke in tongues for three days and three nights and could not stop. It changed the narrative. It changed the trajectory. Even so, when I went to Bible college and seminary, we had systematic theology, but there was only one little chapter in the book of pneumatology. And I kept asking the question. So... Are we not going to talk about Holy Spirit at all? We're just going to talk about Jesus? <laughs> and, and of course, that started a lot of trouble in class. Mm. And so uh, students would come to me in study hall and in library and say, what do you know about Holy Spirit? And one of my professors said, I want to have a conversation with you about Holy Spirit. And I said, I want to have one with you. 
<laughs> and so I began to introduce my teachers. I began to introduce my students and my church ultimately, which is named the Holy Ghost Cathedral. Uh, I have been on this pursuit for over 40 years of learning, breathing, teaching, living Pentecost. And I believe that as black theologians, that we must own Pentecostal theology as mm -hmm. our theology. Mm -hmm. We are not evangelical. We are Pentecostal. Yes. And we were born and birthed in Holy mm -hmm. Spirit. We were born and birthed in Pentecost. It's our theology. Born and bred by black slave women who mm -hmm. prayed it up and prayed it out. Until a half blind man named William Seymour showed up in California. Oh. Birthed a movement that swept America. And yet we have been kind of dismissive about our pneumatology. And we have not fully embraced Holy Spirit. So every year after resurrection, I teach on Facebook Live about Pentecost. For 40 days from the up from the tomb to the upper room. Mm -hmm. But this year, the Lord said, I want you to teach on Pentecost in a pandemic and tell them that the comforter has come. Mm -hmm. yes. Now I had originally thought it was gonna be just 40 days. <laughs> but we are now in about 140 days, and I don't see an end in sight. And so every morning at 7 a.m., two to three, four thousand people join me to yes. learn about this wonderful, wonderful treasure, God, the Holy Spirit. Wow. Yes. Wow. Wow. If I could tell you how much I love him, yeah. if I could tell you how much people are missing this, if I could just communicate it to the world that he is God with us now. And everything that we love about Jesus is because of God, the Holy Spirit. Mm. And we have got tangled up on tongues and we've misrepresented some of the gifts. And because we don't understand it and it's not well taught, we just go around him. We grieve him and ignore him. But I believe that one of the missions of my life is to let people know how very precious he is. He's my most intimate friend. Mm. He's my most closest friend. And I want everybody to know him. Just like I wanted everyone to know about Jesus. I want everyone to know about God, the Holy Spirit. And that's what I've been doing. Oh, wow. Woo. Oh, my God. You think I'm... Um, um, Bishop Vaughn, um, I just I want to just first put put a personal plug in. Um, I, I had death um, in my family um, now at the end of August and um, was in a place of having to step up in the midst of it. But my soul was really down. And about a week before then, um, between Dr. Bradford and, and, and Dr. Carlisle, um, that it was like, oh, here, here's this lady, Bishop, Bishop Vaughn. But I need you to know that while I was in my hometown, just working and trying to prepare um, all the things in regard to my brother's home going, that it was uh, it was Pentecost in a pandemic every morning that um, reinvigorated my soul. It reinvigorated my mm -hmm. spirit. 
and and it caused me to remember the power that I walk in, even in the midst of, of the grief that I was dealing with. And then one of your teachings that was was um, one day was talking about of how we can allow ourselves to, to stay back in those grieving places in the soul. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to say to you, thank you for that. Um, There's so many people that that I know that are listening. I, I, asked, I, I asked my congregation to be on today. I said, didn't want to miss this on today. But one of the things that I consistently run into in my denomination, I'm seeing me, that I consistently run into is this thing about tongues. It's, it's, it's about tongues. And it says, well, um, when whenever someone opens their mouth and they speak in tongues, there always has to be an interpreter. If there's not an interpreter, then they shouldn't be, a tongue should never utter come, come out of anyone's mouth. Um, and so are, are you able, and I know that's a real broad kind of, 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 of subject, um, but, but can you just give us a taste of, of what, of, 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 of understanding around that? So let me get my paper. Paper Bible. <laughs> Y'all hear that right, CC? <laughs> Uh, Let let me start with just Acts chapter two, because I know our time is limited. We won't get to everything, hopefully tonight, but let me just start with Acts two, because it was Acts chapter number two that fully fulfilled the promise of Jesus in the gospel of John chapter 14 and chapter 16. Um. I could go all the way back to John 4 when Jesus introduced the living water to the woman at the well. And we hear that story preached a lot, the pericope about the well water and this girl at the well and how she went and told her story to Samaria. They were saved. But I we hear very few sermons about what that water actually was. Mm. And um, if we were to trace Holy Spirit and some of the names of Holy Spirit. Water is wow. one of the names of Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, wind is one of the names of Holy Spirit. Fire is one of the names of Holy Spirit. And so from John 4, Jesus was very, very intimate and very deliberate in John. We know that the Gospel of John mm-hmm. is an intimate gospel. Uh, and that it is written to the world. It's, it's, it's written from John's perspective of love. And it is written from a very intimate relational uh, way, very different than Matthew, very different mm-hmm. than Mark and, and Luke. Even. Mm-hmm. And I'm a, I love Luke. But John's gospel is where Jesus takes the time to, I believe, articulate more about Holy Spirit than any place else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, if you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. That water is Holy Spirit. John 7, if you believe upon me, as the scriptures have said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And John says in the text, right in the text, and he spoke of Holy Spirit that had not yet been given. And so if you keep moving to John 14, where Jesus says, I know that you are sad because I say I have to go. But I won't leave you without a comforter. I won't leave you alone. And when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. And he will take from what is mine. He will make it known unto you that he is the comforter. He is the parakletos. And he will be with you. He will be in you. 
And whatever you need to know, you ask the Father in my name or in my authority, and he, your Holy Spirit, will come. So we identify Holy Spirit as a person, not as a it, not as a thing, but he's he, he's God. He is also co-equal and co-essential to Father and Son. So he's not the junior partner of the Godhead. However, it is not until after the resurrection, we see Holy Spirit from Genesis all the way through Revelations, but it's not until after the resurrection that the promise of the Father, Matthew spoke of it in Matthew 3, Matthew 4, Luke speaks of it, the promise of the Father, which is that John baptized in water, that was a symbolic way of Holy Spirit talking to us to warn us or to give us a idea of the promise of the father, which is as you saw John go into, take others into water, which was the baptism of repentance. Now you will see the father take us into Holy Spirit. So there's a shift of authority. There's a shift of dispensation. There's a shift what I call day one, day two, day three. So in the book of Acts, if you go back to Luke, Luke's first gospel, the last chapter, Jesus says, stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. Uh-huh. We pick it up in the second book of Luke, which is Acts, Theophilus, where Luke is uh-huh. writing to Theophilus. And he says, here again is a repeat uh-huh. of what he said to us at the end. Now, I want to note this, that prior to Jesus going through the Via Dolorosa and the Calvary experience, the last message he taught was on the Holy Spirit. I also want to note that when he was raised from the dead, we know according to Romans 8, that it was Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And we also note that the first (laughs) message after he was resurrected, walked through the walls to greet his the uh, apostles and disciples, he says, he breathes on them, fear not. He breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. So the last message before Calvary, the first message after resurrection is about Holy Spirit because Jesus was setting them up to understand that it's for your good that I go away so that when I'm gone, this next dispensation can begin. And I will be in charge of this one, Holy Spirit with me. So now we move to the upper room with 120 people. And this is the first time in scripture we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a corporate way. Others had had received the Holy Spirit, absolutely. Old Testament and New Testament. But it had not been poured out on all flesh as Joel too prophesied. Uh So now we have a demarcation. They were saying, okay, they're drunk. What is this? People said, no, no, no. Let me just define this for you. This is that which was spoken by the mouth of the prophet Joel. Now, here is our first introduction to tongue talking. (laughs) I I know I went around the mall and through the bush and around and I wanted to bring it in context. Here is our experience of talking in a corporate way. 
where everybody spoke in tongues and there was no interpretation. I need us to, I need us to settle right there. Mm. Here is our first demonstration prototype, law first mentioned, however you want to pull it, where Holy Spirit is poured out, mighty rushing wind, cloven tongues of fire set on each of their heads. They all had their own measure of Holy Spirit and they all spake with tongues. Now, you got to be blind, dumb, crippling, crazy not to read that the way it's written. It doesn't need a lot of interpretation. They were all filled and they all spoke. Now, when we can first digest that, then we can start talking about the methods and deliverables of tongues. But in that moment when the Holy Spirit came, he came with wind, he came with fire, and he came with sound. That was his entrance into the world. As we know, the Spirit of the Lord being poured out upon all flesh. Throughout the book of Acts, you see this outpouring as an initial experience of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We call this the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This baptism in the Holy Spirit is evidenced by speaking in tongues. Now, when a person comes to Christ and receives him by faith as their Savior, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is very active in our salvation experience. That is the indwelling of Holy Spirit. He indwells us. Ephesians chapter number two says he seals us and becomes the deposit or the earnest of our inheritance so that we are sealed to the day of redemption. So our salvation is never suspect. We can never lose it. We can never pawn it off. We can never throw it away because Holy Spirit now seals our confession of Jesus Christ as the indwelling. That is to bear witness with us that we are the children of God. But there's another experience of Holy Spirit. Hmm. And this is the experience that happened at Pentecost. This is the experience that happened at Azusa. This is the experience that I preach Pentecost in a pandemic. So when you talk about tongues, Let's just first of all talk about how tongues come. The first initial evidence of tongue talking in a believer's life is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't happen at salvation. Now, I've seen people give their life to God, give their life to Christ, and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit simultaneously. But speaking in tongues is what we call the second benefit. It is not a salvation sign. It is the sign of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It is the gateway to supernatural. It's the gateway to the gifts of the Spirit. Healing, tongues, interpretation of tongues. Gifts of faith. Word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Discernment. Prophecy. Those gifts of Holy Spirit. Now, that starts after conversion. And then you usher people into the knowledge of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So 
Can we all speak in tongues without inter interpretation? Absolutely. There does not need to be an interpretation every time tongues is spoken. We see that in the book of Acts over and over and over again. It is a sign, the Bible says. Now, when we start moving into tongues and interpretation of tongues, we're talking about a different manifestation of tongues. We're not talking about corporate outpourings, praise, worship, or intercessory prayer where everyone can speak in tongues because the Bible says when you speak in tongues, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you don't speak to man, you speak to God and you speak mysteries. And so it is not always for interpretation. You can pray in tongues, you can sing in tongues, you can speak in tongues in a corporate experience. But then when it comes to the gift of tongues or the tongues for interpretation or prophecy, now those tongues by two or three, and then an interpretation must occur. Now, let me explain it to you in a way that helps us. So let me use water. Water is a common element. And many of us understand water has multiple purposes and can be used in multiple ways. And I often do this demonstration because when I got saved, it's, it's, it's an internal transformation. My spirit that was dead and trespasses and sins is now quickened and made alive. And God comes into my spirit, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, dwells in me, lives in me. And now I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. So imagine drinking water. All right. That water does what? That water goes in. It doesn't help anybody but the person that just drank it. It has no benefit for anyone watching me drink it. It has no benefit for anyone in the room that shares it with me. It's an internal necessity and it's only a blessing for the one who drinks it. Salvation. But let's use that same water and let's put it in a bathtub or let's put it in a shower. I'm not here to drink it. Now this water is going to do what? Come upon me. Now, even though it's still the same water that I drank, it still has now a value and a different application and purpose. So I can drink the water for my benefit, but when I take a shower and the water comes upon me, it's for everybody else's benefit. Because we all can live with our own thing. But if we want to go out, and we want to be appreciated by others, we need a bath, we need a shower, but it's the same water. Holy Spirit has multiple applications. So he is the sealant of our salvation. He drew us to the Lord. He sealed us and became the earnest of our inheritance. That's drinking. That's the inward work of the Holy Spirit. That's what sanctifies us. That's what convicts us. That's what grows us up in the fear and admonition of God. But now he says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Same water, different application. 
Once the Holy Spirit comes upon me, it comes with a sign or an evidence. And the evidence, according to the New Testament, is speaking in tongues. I don't get to write the evidence. I don't get to change it. It is what it is. When the Jews got to Cornelius's house and Cornelius's people began to speak in tongues, the Jews said, oh, my God, <laughs> they're speaking in tongues like us. It was a sign. Tongues are a sign. That's what we have to understand. We don't need to get tangled up on tongues. Can everybody speak in tongues? Absolutely, yes. Every believer can speak in tongues. Not every believer will prophesy. Not every believer will give interpretation or will be used in the word of knowledge of the word of wisdom. But the baptism with the Holy Spirit comes with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And so to deny a believer that is to deny a believer the gift. Acts 2.39 says, 2.38 says, repent, be baptized, and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there is the application of the Holy Spirit in me. There's the application of the Holy Spirit upon me. And I can speak in tongues in a general conversation or in a general congregation. But I also can speak in tongues as the Spirit yields or wills prophesy and give an interpretation of tongues. Same tongues, different application, different purpose. So there's no reason to be tangled up with tongues. You can speak in tongues privately. It will boost your prayer life because when you speak in tongues, your spirit prays. When you speak in English, your intellect prays. But when you speak in tongues, your spirit man is praying. And praise directly to God. You may never speak in tongues in public, but you should want it in private. We um uh, <laughs> yes, Lord. <laughs> we have um one um of our viewers has asked, why are people afraid of tongues? Why are they afraid of it's it? It's been so mistaught. It's been so mistaught. And again, I don't know about you ladies, but I know my seminary experience did not prepare me. It was not until I got to Oral Roberts University where I studied a master's in post-secondary education. I I was done with my, my seminary training. But it wasn't until I got to Oral Roberts University in that context, that every person in that university had to take classes on Holy Spirit. And so uh, our own seminary experiences, our church experience, our denominational experiences have limited us from understanding Holy Spirit, not just tongues, but Holy Spirit. See, if you understood Holy Spirit, you wouldn't be tripping on the tongue. The problem ain't the tongues. The problem is our pneumatology is off. We don't understand Holy Spirit. We don't reverence Holy Spirit. We don't, we don't respect Holy Spirit. We don't worship. We don't honor Holy Spirit. If I honored, if I knew who Holy if I knew Holy Spirit was God, if I really understood the theology of Holy Spirit. I wouldn't reject nothing he offered. But I don't know who he is. 
I don't know he's God. I don't know that he's co-equal and co-essential with Jesus. I've made Jesus higher than Holy Spirit. So our problem ain't tongues. Our problem is a lack of teaching on Holy Spirit. Because when you understand who he is, you understand the great gift that Jesus has given us, you won't reject any of his gifts. You want everything Holy Spirit is offering. Wow. Um, uh, Bishop, um, another question is, can tongues be taught? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes and no. <laughs> tongues are languages. Hmm. And so uh, I have been in dynamics. I've been all over the world. Thank the Lord. I've traveled to 39 nations. And I've gotten millions of people baptized in the Holy Spirit from every culture, every tribe, and every tongue. <laughs> so it's not English. It's not Baptist. It's not Pentecostal. It's Holy Spirit is God, folks. And so uh, you can, yes, absolutely. Uh, just like reading, uh, there can be a primer. Uh, there, are, there are times when I've been in situations where a person is fighting because of what they've been taught. And yet I can see the Holy Spirit on them. So sometimes I'll lay hands on them. Uh, God has blessed me sometimes to blow in people's mouth and release their release the, the flood. Uh, I've been in places where I've been on the knees with people and I'm speaking in tongues. And because they hear me, it can stir up what it is that they hear also in their own spirit. So there are multiple methods. Uh, when we understand the supernaturality of Holy Spirit, we'll stop being so, so human. God, Holy Spirit is God. You know, just like uh, somebody said, well, why would Jesus spit in the man's eyes? Because he's God. <laughs> That's what the man needed. <laughs> and sometimes people need a little help in a primer in speaking in tongues, particularly if they haven't been taught about Holy Spirit. Uh, I've been in situations where he'll just fall and everybody receive it. Nothing else is needed. No musician, no microphone, no nothing. But then I've been in situations where it's been taught poorly and there was a little bit more help needed to get people across. So let's not um, make it impossible for sometimes the human person who we, we call the, the one that's prevailing with you sometimes have to do a little extra in certain situations. I've seen it, you know, done. It doesn't unauthenticate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But we're so um, susceptible of Holy Spirit. We're so skeptical, so skeptical of Holy Ghost. <laughs> we're so skeptical and critical and almost afraid of Holy Spirit. So we use any little thing to make it unauthentic. But that's because we're skeptical of the Holy Ghost. And we really don't know that All right. the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, okay. And sometimes our teaching has made us foolish. Oh. I thought that would hit us hard. <laughs> Uh, from one seminary into another. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I challenged my teachers in class. He did a whole class one day against the Holy Spirit and tongues and gifts. 
And when he got done, I raised my hand. I said, excuse me. He said, yes, ma'am. I said, everything you just said is a lie. He said, what? I said, what you just taught is a lie. Holy Spirit is alive and well. Yes. Talks are real. People are getting healed and delivered. Cast Demons are being cast out. Prophecy is just as real today as ever has been. Sir, what you just taught is a lie. Well, I don't believe that. I say, I'm clear. Nobody who has experienced it believes you. It's only those of you that have not experienced it that believe you. He said, well, I'm going to let you teach tomorrow. I said, good. <laughs> About 23 young people in that class and 13 of them got filled all the ghosts the next morning. <laughs> I invited that professor to my church. I said, if you don't believe the Holy Spirit is still real, come to my church. And we set up a time where he could come. He taught Bible overview. And uh, we ended it uh, with a service. I praise and worship team and I, I fasted and prayed. I said, Holy Ghost, I want you to just, just be naked and show out. <laughs> just be naked and show out. Prove, prove the doubters wrong. And I tell you, that professor, he respected me from that day forward. My God, today. Yeah. There, is, there is a question. Um, and I think you dealt with it earlier, but she may not have been on. Okay. Says, okay. Hello. I have a question. Speaking in tongues, does it require someone to be able to interpret what you are saying? No, it does not. There is there is a manifestation of speaking in tongues as, let's go back to Acts chapter number two. Yeah. Acts chapter number two, there was no interpreter and they all spoke and they all spoke at the same time. And there was no interpretation of tongues. So there's different kinds of tongues. There are tongues for interpretation and there are tongues for prophecy and there are tongues for edification. So diverse kinds of tongues. Thank you, uh, Sister Smith. That's a great uh, question. There's different demonstrations or manifestations of tongues. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and you will speak in tongues when that experience happens. That's just the evidence that you have received the baptism with the Holy Spirit. But then as you begin to grow in your knowledge of Holy Spirit, there'll be times that God will use you to prophesy. Uh, and that is you'll speak in tongues and then give an interpretation. There'll be times even Paul says when you pray, pray in the spirit, but pray that you interpret. There'll be times you'll be by yourself and you'll be just praying in the spirit. You don't know what you're praying. Your understanding is darkened. But then Paul says, pray that you will understand what you just prayed. And then there are times when you can sing in the spirit. I've heard some beautiful singing in the spirit, beautiful singing. So there's divers of tongues. There's tongues that once you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, be open for however God wants to use you. Don't just limit it to prophecy. Don't just limit it to interpretation. Be open to however Holy Spirit wants to use you. Let's see, is there, let's see, is it true that one purpose is to provide a sign for the unbeliever that they might believe? That's the scriptures. That's what it says. One yeah. of the purposes of the of tongues, if you go get your paper Bible, <laughs> if you get your paper Bible and go back uh, with me to 1 Corinthians, uh, chapter, chapter number 12, it talks about the spiritual gifts. And, and it talks about tongues and interpretation of tongues. But then when you look at chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, 
It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but speaks to God. Yes, yes. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. So understand that speaking in tongues is between that person and God. I don't know why y'all want to get so much interpretation about what I'm saying to God. What you saying to God is a conversation between me and God. Now, if the spirit of the Lord wants to take it into prophecy and wants to allow others in on what he and I just said, then he will give an interpretation. But remember that tongues is, is, is a conversation between your spirit man and God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That's a wonderful gift that he has given us to be able to speak to him directly. What? With all the foolishness and confusion that's in our own minds and all the craziness that we can come up with and conjure up, that we have a secret place we can go in and speak to God. Nobody, nobody, not even us can interfere with that or can malign that or in any way compromise that or dilute that. That is a precious gift that he has given to us through Holy Spirit. Uh, Joanne says, some teach that you don't have to speak in tongues to be the evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't explain what they said. I can only explain you what this Bible says. <laughs> that every time the baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs, there is a sign and the sign is tongues. I stick on that. I stay on that. Uh, and if you get close to me, I'll get you baptized and you'll speak to. Um, explain grieving the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. So Holy Spirit has been given to us. Remember when um, um, it, it talks about when Jesus was first born, Luke chapter two, and it says uh, the angel said to uh, to Mary, you know, his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. Well, he's Jesus is no longer God with us. Jesus has ascended. He is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And so once Pentecost took place, Holy Spirit has become God with us. He is spirit of truth. And so he guides us and leads us into truth. He keeps us in present truth. That's his assignment. When we disobey Holy Spirit, it grieves him. And it doesn't always have to be spiritual. It can be something very simple like make up your bed. Or don't go that way. Or come home. Or don't buy that. Don't eat that. I was slicing some tomatoes a few weeks ago and I bought some beautiful red tomatoes and I was going to have that whole tomato. And when I was slicing, I had sliced about three slices. Holy Spirit said, that's enough. I said, well, I can I, I have my mouth set for the whole tomato. I said, you don't need the whole tomato. If I had ate the whole tomato anyway, it would have grieved the Holy Spirit. So 
Ephesians 4 gives us the kinds of things that grieve Holy Spirit, lying, not obeying the Holy Spirit, staying angry longer than one night. Those things grieve Holy Spirit because he's God with us. And he wants us to realize that he's able to heal in a moment. We don't have to carry a grudge. Grief is human, but we don't have to grieve forever because he's present. He's the comforter. He wants us to rely on him. And when we don't rely on him, it grieves him. When we ignore him, when we don't acknowledge him, I wake up every morning. I say, good morning, Holy Spirit, because I want him to know I acknowledge you. When you don't acknowledge Holy Spirit, when you feel that unction or you feel that draw, you feel that pull says, don't do that. Or don't say that or speak and you don't speak. Go and you don't go. You've grieved him because he's our, he is our God with us and he is in our lives to keep us in the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> There's a question there, but you talked about utterance. Um, expound on utterance. Uh, you talk about that all the time. The utterance of the Holy Spirit speaking yes. in tongues? Yes. As the Spirit gives utterance, it is simply, the meaning of that is simply, it's not something you pre-learn or you are pre-taught. That word utterance is simply ability. So you speak as Holy Spirit gives you the ability. And so when I speak in tongues, when I, when I, when I began to pray in the Holy Spirit, Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm just as fluent in tongues as I am in English. But I learned English. I didn't learn tongues. I tell people all the time that I'm, I'm bilingual. <laughs> And tongue should be as easy. You should be as it. You don't. You don't. You don't. Shouldn't have to need an organ or a drum. It, 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 when you pray in the spirit every day, it, you become fluid in both. You become fluid in both. You begin. You're able to speak in tongues. You're able to speak in English. But the utterance of tongues is not by my learning. I didn't go and learn the alphabets. I was in Boston, Mass, Cambridge, many, many years ago. And after the service was over, a tall Jewish man came up to me and he said, you have the most beautiful Hebrew tongue I've ever heard. He said, where did you learn it? I said, sir, I don't know Hebrew. He said, no, you were speaking in the most beautiful dialect of Hebrew and the ancient Hebrew. Where did you learn that? I said, sir, I was speaking in tongues. He said, what are you being? I said, the spirit gave me utterance. Glory to God. 
He said, well, I heard about Jesus in the language you were speaking. You mean you don't know it? I said, no, sir, I don't know it. He said, that's miraculous. I'm coming back tomorrow. <laughs> and he gave his life to Christ. It's a sign. It's a supernatural sign. And when the church of Jesus Christ catches hold of this again, we won't be this little weak, impotent group of folks. We'll come out of this thing, out of this pandemic with some power. Yes, Lord. Uh, Dr. Burns, you had a question there about entity. Um, you took it down, but it was about um, the speaking in tongues invoke an entity of some sort. I'm sure that she probably meant intimacy. Yeah, I think, okay. I can't find it, but I think that was I something. did see that. I see that. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it does. Because. Oh, there it is. Can the tongues draw an entity into your spirit, into, into your presence? There it is. Um, now, does they do they mean entity or do they mean intimacy? Because uh, I would need to know what they mean, but it does yeah. invoke intimacy. Yeah, absolutely. So when you when you listen to this, he says, verse fourteen, uh, chapter fourteen, four of fourteen. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. He who prophesies edifies the church. Yes. So when you're when you're speaking in tongues, remember we're spirit, soul, and body. Our human spirit is where Holy Spirit lives. Doesn't live in our bodies. It doesn't live in our soul, our mind, our intellect. Lives in our human spirit. Because our human spirit is what's compatible with God. And so when we edify ourselves by speaking in tongues, we're building our human, we're building our spirit man up. Because many times our soulish man is more powerful than our spirit man. And that's how we get tricked by our emotions. That's how we get tricked by our intellect. But when we pray in tongues, nobody there, no need interpretation, just you and God. You edify yourself. You build yourself up. Jude says, on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. See, when we really understand who Holy Spirit is, when we really understand that nothing Jesus did, he did without Holy Spirit. And we shouldn't be doing anything for God without Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you want to deal with that, Dr. Burns? Um, she did come back and say it was entity or other forces. No, I, I think Bishop Bond has has has. I think I think she dealt, dealt with it. I think she actually dealt with it. Mm -hmm. My God. Um, this question um, that has come up. Explain why some get syllabus and other get full oh syllables and other get full language okay <laughs> well it's it's, it's uh, remember that uh speaking in tongues is yeah, a it's a language and so depending upon like for me i was chasing the holy spirit for years and so by the time i got to that little prayer meeting on that tuesday night Baby, I got a I got a full download, three days and three nights. 
but there are different stages of Holy Spirit, different stages of speaking in tongues. And I encourage people to speak in tongues every day. Get out of the baby. I've been in places where people da 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 na 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 I said, come on. Na 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 and that's all they get. I said, come on, just keep on. You keep na 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 na. It'll it'll burst on you. And maybe I'll stand there if I have time. I'll minister at the altar, maybe 15 or 15, and then finally I'll break loose. And then I have gone to other people. And by the time I say, okay, now come on, receive. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they go, no, no, machine. It's a full dose. <laughs> and so you can't manage what portion people receive. That's not up to us to try to manage that. People will receive based on their faith. People will receive based on their exposure. And people will receive based on their thirst. I was was dehydrated. So when I got it, I was, yes, ma'am. I was so dehydrated. I was like, Lord, if I hear another sermon on Jesus, they can't nobody tell me about this Holy Ghost. I'm just going to jump off this bridge. I need somebody to tell me about the Holy Spirit. I wanted to know because I knew that that was missing in our theology. I watched people give their life to Christ and never conquer fornication, never conquer lying, never conquer fear. Never conquer bad habits and bad dispositions. And I said, well, what what is it? And then when I began to understand that Jesus Christ is our redeemer, but he doesn't sanctify us. You need the Holy Ghost to be sanctified. You need the Holy Ghost to help you work out your weaknesses. You need the Holy Ghost for that. And so I said, oh, We got Jesus, we got our salvation, we got the security of our salvation, but now we got to move into sanctification and consecration and ultimately glorification. Because you'll never be all God wants you to be as long as you struggle with sin. Y'all got quiet on me. (laughs) Oh my God, oh my God. Um, Monica, ooh, Monica Oliver said people were condemned because their tongues didn't sound like the mentors did. Well, just overcome that. Everybody not perfect. Mm. <laughs> just overcome that. Don't let that hold you up. You know, there's been a lot of ignorance because there's been a lot, a lot of no teaching. You know, it's probably no teaching on Holy Spirit versus bad teaching. You know. Um, no. And it's our responsibility. Hopefully I'm opening up the, the doors so hmm. that others will say, you know what? I need to study Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And maybe as a pastor, maybe I need to do a better job of teaching my people about the Holy Spirit. Yes. No, Bishop, you're opening the door, the window, the portal, <laughs> <laughs> everything. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And just because you're a pastor and because you're a seminarian trainer, because you're a Daniel, because you're a bishop, it doesn't mean you know everything you need to know about Holy Spirit. I, if you came in my, I wish I could bring y'all in my office. I've got probably 30 books around me on the floor. 
and 25 of them are on the Holy Spirit, I'm still learning. Yes. I'm still reading. I'm still thirsty for him. I'm, I'm still, I, I just um, uh, got this new book, The Essential Guide of the Power of the Holy Spirit, Randy Clark. I just, um, I'm telling you, hold on. <laughs> yes. Y'all think I'm playing, but I'm not playing. This is where you should start. Yes. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Start with that. Yes. Even if you read it, I read it every year. Read it every year. The other Pentecostals, my 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 mentor, Dr. Estrella Alexander, The Flame of Love, Theology of the Holy Spirit by Clark Pinnock. These are books that I read all the time. You can have the power of the Holy Spirit, Leslie Lester Summerall. Hold on. The holiness Pentecostal tradition, spirit control temperament. 40 names of the Holy Spirit. Hold on. <laughs> Look at this. Holy Spirit and social justice. Holy fire by Kindle. And if I could get all the way over there, I got another stack. So it's you're never a genius in him. It's an ever-growing relationship. It's ever-growing. It's ever-developing. It's ever-expanding. And, and I read these books and I read the text because I realize that so many people have yet to learn of Holy Spirit. Have yet to get the joy. Listen, Paul says in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but it's righteousness and it's peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Look at these Christians with no joy. Look at these believers that's tripping. No joy because we have not done a good enough job of filling our people with the knowledge and the information curriculum. Think about how many messages have you really preached on Holy Spirit. Think about the curriculum that you use in your denomination in Sunday school. Think about it. And you'll see that there's an absence of continuity of pneumatology. Wow. Bishop Vaughn, thank you so very much um, <laughs> for being with us on today. Um, um, uh, those, uh, my, my co-host already know that I allowed the time to be pushed a bit, but this is so, so very much. This is so very needed. And we've only just scraped the top of it. But I hope that from today's broadcast that someone um, has spirit has been pricked to go deeper into the Lord. Any closing remarks you want to make, Bishop Vaughn, um, before we, we close? Thank you, all, you amazing women of God for having me. And I do want to encourage all of the people that are viewing uh, even uh, those of us uh, that are preachers and proclaimers and pastors, prognosticators, start with this book. Renew, renew it. Just, just start with it. It's an old book, but it will. I began get the well primed, and I believe that those that are watching and I maybe didn't get to all of your questions, 
and maybe you have a thousand more. Join me Monday through Friday, seven, eight. <laughs> <laughs> but just grab this book, Benny Hands, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, and start a lifelong journey on knowing him. Mm. He is my closest, most intimate, most trusted friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Bishop Vaughn. You have blessed all of us. And as you can tell in the comment section, um, it's confirmation and stirring. Um, awesome, awesome, excellent teaching. Um, we want to thank you again um, for saying yes. Thank you. Amen. Okay. All right. Thank you all for joining us. See, see you next week. Time we wasted. Um,